Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Wednesday, September 7, 2022. Stand up for your country. Now, if you follow the corporate media, and I hope you do not, but if you do, you are hearing exactly what I predicted in mid-August, that the Democrats are surging and will likely win the Senate and perhaps the House of Representatives in the midterm election on November 8th. This is what you are hearing almost every day. In addition, you are hearing that Donald Trump is uh, the worst person in the world and may wind up in prison because of the classified document situation. So this is a one-two punch. And that it's designed, as we said last night in our analysis of President Biden, it's designed to uh, have Trump on the ballot in November. The Democrats believe that if they can make Trump the centerpiece of the Republican Party, that independent voters will not go GOP. That is the strategy. And the media allies in the corporations are carrying that out. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So every day, the Justice Department is leaking stuff about Donald Trump every day. The primary conduit is the Washington Post, which yesterday reports, uh, citing several unnamed sources, where have we heard that before, that among the classified documents in Mr. Trump's basement, was a nuclear capability analysis of a foreign nation. And this was the big story in the corporate media. All right. Now, on Fox and Friends, on, you know, the Fox News Channel, they actually said, well, what is Trump doing with nuclear analysis of a foreign nation? Well, how do you know that's true? Number one, how do you know it's classified? Number two, And why would he take it number three? But there's no, it's just they suck it up no matter what they pull out there. So just think about it for a minute. Why would Donald Trump take a classified document, top secret, about a foreign nation's nuclear capability? Why? He knows what it is, obviously from his national security briefings, If he wanted to, he could have taken notes. It's not hard. Why would he take the document? There is no reason on earth for Donald Trump to take a document like that. Can't use it anywhere. So why would he do it? The question is never asked. Never. Now, this is exactly the same thing that happened in Russian collusion. Every day... Someone in government leaks stuff to the New York Times and, uh, you know, secondarily to Washington Post. Now it's the Washington Post getting it every day. Oh, Donald Trump Jr. did this or uh, another person did that. Never questioned. And then it all turned out to be bogus. The whole thing. So you would think that Americans would say enough. I'm not watching this anymore. I'm not reading these newspapers anymore. I'm going to watch O'Reilly or something else that has some kind of credibility. You would think 
Now, it is happening to some extent. I mean, the network news is losing audience, and so is cable news. They're losing audience. But there are still millions of Americans who hear this stuff, and it goes out on the Internet. As I told you yesterday, a lot of my analysis goes on YouTube now, which is why I'm more famous now than I was six years ago when I was doing Fox. <laughs> Wherever I go, people are running up there. I go, what is this? But anyway, that same game plan is in place. Same thing for Russian collusion as now. Now, I don't know what's going to come of the classified document thing. I told you yesterday, President Biden wants Donald Trump indicted before the midterms. There's no doubt that that is true. Because if the president is indicted, that takes over the news cycle and all the terrible things that are happening in America with the economy, with the border, with crime, they disappear. And Trump becomes the story 24-7. That's what Biden wants. It's so nakedly obvious. And the corporate media is more than willing to do his bidding. Biden's bidding. And that's the memo. Okay. One of the um, enablers of the uh, Democratic Party is CBS News. And I'll give you something that you can't refute it. And I worked for CBS News back in the 80s. All right. You can't refute it. The CBS News organization openly and avidly roots for the Democratic Party. Okay. So Nora O'Donnell is their anchor person on the nightly presentation, right? And she is interviewing Hillary Clinton about January 6th. Roll the tape. I would not be honest if I didn't say I think there was a seditious conspiracy against the government of the United States, and that's a crime. Led by Donald Trump. Led by Donald Trump, encouraged by Donald Trump. Led by Donald Trump, <laughs> there's no evidence, none at all. And Miss O'Donnell goes, led by Donald Trump. Based on what, madam? What is that statement based on? And I got a kick out of uh, Hillary Clinton. I would not be honest if I didn't say. Uh, does anyone out there, anyone, liberal, conservative, independent, think Hillary Clinton is an honest individual? Anyone, Bill at BillOReilly.com, I'll, I'll protect you. But just email me and tell me why you think she's honest. Okay, so that's just one example, CBS carrying out the uh, Democratic Party's wishes. Polling, insider advantage, don't know what it is. Generic congressional vote, 500 likely voters, Democrats 45%. Republicans, 44. So according to Insider Advantage, more Americans are going to vote for Democrats in November in the House and Senate races than Republicans. How can that be possible? A Rasmussen poll then says, what is the direction of the country? And right direction, 29, wrong track, 65. Well, if the country's on the wrong track, and the Democrats are in charge, then how could you vote for them again? Do you like the country being on the wrong track? It just doesn't stack. It doesn't stack at all.
Now, I believe the Rasmussen poll at 65 percent, I think it's probably 70 of Americans think the country's on the wrong track because it is. <laughs> it's, no, it's not like I know 29 percent say it's on the right track, but those aren't really rational thinking people. Those are emotional people. And maybe one issue, abortion, whatever it may be. But they're not big picture people. And there's a lot of them. 29% that stat. I mean, I think that number is legit. Okay? But in the real world where we live, the country's on the wrong track. It's, it's going down fast. I was on with Hannity on the radio today. All you got to do is think about your personal circumstance three years ago when Trump was president and compare it to now. Is your wallet in better shape? Is the border in better shape? Is the violent crime situation better now than it was? Every single issue. Yet, according to Insider Advantage, more people are going to vote for Democrats in November. I don't know. Maybe we're done as a, as a country. Maybe it's possible. So let's bring in a very smart guy who looks at all the polling. Uh, his name is Doug Schoen. You've seen him on this broadcast before. He's a Democrat uh, political strategist, actually worked for Bill Clinton. Um, and he's the author of the upcoming book, America. No, it's out. I'm sorry. Uh, the book, America, Unite or Die, How to Save Our Democracy. I've read the book, so I, I should know it's not upcoming. I should know it's out. It's a good book. All right, so before we get into the analysis, Hillary Clinton, am I wrong about that? You know the Clintons. I don't expect you to badmouth them, Doug. I do not expect you to badmouth them. That would be disloyal. You work for them. But am I wrong in my analysis of CBS and that clip? No, you're not wrong. And I would tell you, Bill, in 2016, I got a little notoriety for saying that while I remain a Democrat and a partisan Democrat, I could not and did not vote for Secretary Clinton. Didn't vote for Donald Trump, but couldn't pull the lever for Secretary Clinton. Is that because of the honesty factor? Let, let's just say um, my take on her is that she does not have the same abilities, intellect, skills, and persuasive charms of her husband. All right. I think that's a fair assessment. Okay, so when you see an insider advantage poll, it says more Americans will vote Democrat in November than uh, Republican, you say? I'm saying that you're basically right. The congressional polling we're seeing shows that the Republicans are almost certain to win the House, 65 to 75 percent likely, 20, 25 seats, the most likely result. Where there has been some movement bill mostly because of bad Republican candidates, is in the Senate elections. But even there, uh, Arizona is a good example. That state is underwater, and it's not underwater because it has a drought and it's so hot, but the state is suffering grievously because of the open border, which is a Democratic tenant. So how on earth could they vote for Kelly, a Democratic senatorial Senator, he's a senator running again. How on earth, if your state is being devastated right before your eyes by this rampant illegal immigration, how could you vote for a Democrat who sponsors it? Because Masters, the Republican, has yet to um, distinguish himself as a candidate, is an election denier, and has run his primary campaign on that. And he's not emphasized to the degree necessary 
issues like immigration, inflation, uh, cost, of, cost of gasoline, in a way to maximize his support. The race, you're correct, is within the margin of error, but the Republicans have yet to take advantage fully of the opportunity they have. Is Donald Trump the face of the Republican Party, do you believe, for most independent and GOP people? Is he the face of it? Sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. Your analysis, Bill, was exactly right. The more the Democrats believe that he is the face, the better they think they'll do. Hence the rhetoric and actions you spoke of in your talking points memo. So when you have a powerful coalition like the Democratic Party uh, and the corporate media coming together to maintain Democratic power, it would seem to be hard to overcome that for the Republican Party. That's exactly right. The Democrats have one thing in addition to the organization of the party, which you allude to, which is a huge financial advantage. Only now are the Republicans stepping in through the uh, super PAC of Mitch McConnell, the Republican minority leader, to close the funding gap. But Democrats have been outspending Republicans uh, in Senate races, which is one of the other answers to your questions about why Democrats are doing relatively well. Yeah, and a lot of that money is centralized with the Soros far left crew, those political action committees in Hollywood. Correct. A lot of Katzenberg money, Spielberg money. I mean, these big Hollywood moguls voting against their own self-interest, but they can afford to have the bodyguards and the big walls where the regular working folks in Los Angeles have to go out every day under threat. But that's what it is. All right, Doug, we're going to bring Doug back at least three more times before the midterms because we get an honest take from him. And the book, again, is uh, America United Die, How to Save Our Democracy. Okay, so the Trump factor in November is pretty well defined uh, on this broadcast. Um, On Saturday, he gave a one hour and 56 minute speech in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. I had my first job in Wilkes-Barre Scranton at Channel 16 in journalism, but almost two hours. And it was broadcast on Newsmax, um, you know, and and Trump was Trump. He entertained a crowd, a lot of bombast and a lot of uh, interesting things that other politicians wouldn't say. But that is playing into the Democratic strategy. Now, yesterday on the radio, I was asked a very interesting question. Roll the tape. Yeah, Bill O'Reilly, you know Trump better than anybody. You've not only written about him, you've toured with him, you've done the best interviews with him. Uh, when people say, well, why does he have to talk like that? Why does he have to say things? He has to. That's just him, right? I mean, he couldn't stop that if he wanted to. It's a complicated answer, but I'm going to give it to you as best I can. So Donald Trump is a danger junkie. Do you know people like that? Yeah. <laughs> but usually yeah, it's Joe okay. Pesci or somebody like that. <laughs> yeah, they people who like danger. I mean, I, I ran into them in the war zones in my career. They, they just like the adrenaline rush from danger. Mr. Trump falls into that category. He, he has to have an incredible amount of stimulation every day in his life. It's not like what I did last week, go out to the eastern end of Long Island, sit at the beach, read a few books, and plunk in the ocean. You know, there were supposedly sharks out there, but, you know, I enjoyed that. 
Trump could never do that, ever. He's got to have action. That, that instead of danger, uh, these people use the word action. Okay, it's got to be action. It's almost like a, a gambler in Vegas who can't stop. It's got to be at the tables. Um, and so, in his life, Donald Trump embraces controversy. He embraces a personal fight. Always been that way since the time he's a, a little boy. And I write about that in my book, The United States of Trump. He has always yeah. been that way. And that gets him in a lot of trouble. However, it also got him elected to the presidency because people are so fed up with the standard politicians and the BS they spew every day that when Trump came in as a destroyer, as an avenger, they gravitated toward him. Huh. That is a fascinating answer. And that is the truth. That's why Donald Trump... Those what he does. COVID shots. So now the uh, government is saying we got to have a, a yearly a COVID booster along with a flu shot. So as you know, I, I got four COVID uh, shots, but I'm not getting this one until the federal government, not Anthony Fauci, by the way, don't believe a word he says, until somebody from the CDC that I believe has some credibility and honesty comes out and says, if you get a yearly booster, this is why you should do it. Now I need a why. Because I know so many people got the four shots, the two originals and then two boosters, and I got COVID. Though if it's not going to protect me against COVID, then why am I going to get it? I'm a simple man. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? with more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to FastGrowingTrees.com. Use promo code Bill at checkout. Okay, journalism. Um, so I've been in this journalism racket for 46 years. I have traveled to 84 countries. I have covered four wars, and that doesn't count being in the war zones of Iraq and Afghanistan. I didn't count that because I wasn't really covering the shooting. I was there to help U.S. troops. Um, and I think I know the world pretty well. But there are the journalists who know a lot more than me, who's been a lot more places and in a lot more danger. So when they write something, I read it. One of those guys is Kenneth Timmerman, who's worked for a number of U.S. media, 
He actually was a hostage in Lebanon, taken hostage. He covered the Middle East top to bottom. And he started out as a very liberal person, as most journalists are. I wasn't. I was neutral when I got out of Boston University and began my career. I wasn't one or the other ideology. I just wanted to do good stories and report honestly. Timmerman was a um, left-wing guy in the beginning, but he changed. And when I was reading his book on vacation on page 326, he's talking about his wife, Christina, and himself. And he says, quote, both of us have seen socialism up close and personal. She in Sweden, I in France, and we hated it. Masquerading as benign benevolence had devoured individual liberty and elevated an unelected elite to positions of power where they could make decisions that touch the most intimate part of your lives, unquote. Uh, Kenneth Timmerman joins us now from Florida, and he has a book that I read, and the rest is history, tales of hostages, arms dealers, dirty tricks, and spies. So we appreciate uh, you coming on, Ken. Creeping socialism in America, how big a problem is it? It's a huge problem, and I worry about our children and our grandchildren, Bill, and I really fear uh, that we fell asleep uh, when we had them in high school and we didn't pay attention. We said the public schools are going to take care of it. And they socialized them. They turned them into young socialists. Uh, and I'm very, very wor worried about that. I saw it, as I said, up close and personal, where the government wants to control every aspect of your life. In France, for example, how to start a company. Well, you begin by paying 42% social taxes for every employee that you hire. Uh, it's a great incentive to not start a business. So I saw that, my wife saw that, and we saw what a threat to individual liberty and freedom it was. Yet millions of Americans are gravitating toward the progressive movement. The media certainly is, certainly propping that movement up in America. It's almost inexplicable because what you're saying is absolutely fact-based and true. So why are they doing it? Well, I think it's I think it's a cultural thing. The the media, as you mentioned, uh, is uh, left wing to begin with, especially here in the United States. You know, when I give talks around the country, Bill, I introduced myself. I said I used to call myself a journalist when that was an honorable profession. And uh, today it has become much less so in the eyes of most Americans because of fake news. Uh, the story I tell at the end of the book uh, the day that journalism died in America in July of 1994, I was hired by Time magazine to investigate the sell-off of military technology from the United States to communist China. And we had a big story together, four pages, ready to go in the magazine. Friday afternoon, I get called in by the editor and he says, Ken, we're pulling the story. And by the way, you're fired. I said, well, what happened? You loved the story two days ago. And he said, well, we got a call from somebody in the Clinton administration, and they're very upset with you. They didn't like the questions you asked them. I said, wait a second. I thought that was my job to ask questions that might uh, disturb people in power. They said, no, they didn't like the, the questions you asked, and this is our administration. Whenever a yeah. journalist says this is our administration. Yeah, there's no journalism involved. But it's right. interesting. You got some revenge because Time magazine collapsed. All right. It's not a factor yes. anymore. You can't even find yeah. it. And Americans, they caught on not as quickly as you because you were fired over following a story that was true. But the Clinton administration didn't want the folks to know that hardware and military um, provisions 
were being sent to our enemy, China. And then, of course, nobody knew that. You did a number of stories like that. One of them caught my eye uh, about Saddam Hussein's nuclear activities under Bush the Elder. So there was no question that Saddam Hussein back then was trying to get a nuke as Iran is now. But that story was largely suppressed as well, was it not? It was. And the way it was described to me by people in government after the first Gulf War was that uh, we thought that Saddam Hussein had uh, a nuclear program and he was five years from the bomb. After we went in there in 92, 93, 94 with the United Nations weapons inspectors who I helped, and I talk about that in the book, uh, we discovered that he had five nuclear weapons programs and he was one year from the bomb. It shows yeah. that U.S. intelligence was horrible. They had very little accurate intelligence on what he was doing. And they didn't talk to, to people that they could have talked to. I interviewed in Baghdad the head of his uranium enrichment program. I interviewed the head of his chemical weapon, of Saddam's chemical weapons program, the head of his missile programs. Nobody paid attention to those things in the 80s. When, when I went to Saddam's weapons fair in 1989, his coming out party, when he showed all of this stuff, including Gerald Bull's super gun, the one that he wanted to fire at Israel, uh, he had it there at a one, uh, 35th mock-up. I was one of two Western reporters there. And the other guy was from Jane's Defense Weekly. It was pathetic. Right. And it was. And the reason was U.S. government was using Saddam Hussein as a bulwark against Iran and didn't want to shake his whatever he was doing for them. But that then fast forwards into after 9-11. And one of the things as a journalist and, you know, it's a very small fraternity, Ken, um, you and me and maybe 50 others who have really devoted our lives to the craft and take it seriously and want to be honest. But one of the things that haunts me is that I bought into the Saddam weapons of mass destruction, which led to the American invasion of Iraq, which led to a lot of destruction for this country. And I continue to go over it and over it and over it. So when you wrote about the earlier weapons program, I know you weren't on the theater in the theater uh, after 9-11, but it, it was plausible. And New York Times put it on page one, Judith Miller, that Saddam did have weapons of mass destruction. He wasn't allowing UN inspectors in. And we right. actually had to do it. And that's the tack I took. But it was wrong. How was it wrong? Well, uh, I think it's a nuanced story, Bill. It's a nuanced story. There was a lot of it that was right. There are lies, however, that the CIA told to Colin Powell and Colin Powell then told at the UN, and he was ashamed of later on. Those lies, by the way, I believe were planted by people at the CIA and the State Department to embarrass George W. Bush. I tell that in another book of journalism called Shadow Warriors. But look, we know the UN inspectors were telling us at the very moment that US troops were going into Iraq in 2003, that Saddam's missile factories were continuing to churn out long range missiles, which were forbidden, which were uh, not allowed under the uh, disarmament uh, uh, clauses that were restricting him. We know that he had thousands of tons of chemical weapon agents because we captured them later on after the war. And in 2007, get this bill, this was, <laughs> nobody paid attention to this. In 2007, the new Iraqi government sold to Canada a thousand tons of uranium that Saddam Hussein had stockpiled to make a nuclear weapon. So all of those things were found. 
You use the uh, the word nuanced, and of course, in our country, we don't have any nuance anymore. It's Bush Cheney lied, people died, you know, and it's just like I'm sitting myself going, oh man. Uh, last question for you. Um, when you began as a young reporter, you were left. Is that correct? Yes, I was. Why were you left? I, I think it was just the kind of institutional thing. It was where I was. I was in Paris uh, uh, running a literary journal as an expatriate out of Shakespeare and Company. Uh, and all of the media was left wing at that point. I was pro-Palestinian when I went to Beirut in 1982. Well, the Palestinians cured me of that. Uh, I was supposed to be their guest. Well, they took me hostage and made them their guest for 24 days. Uh, not exactly in the way that I had expected that to happen. Uh, they tortured me. Uh, I came to Jesus at that moment in the depths of the underground cellar. Uh, and I understood that my savior had undergone far worse pain, a hundred times worse than anything I went through. And he went through it for me. Uh, and that also was a transformational experience. And I, I went back to, to Israel after that. I went back to the West Bank. I spent time with Palestinian refugees and refugee camps. I stayed with them overnight. I spent time with Palestinian guerrillas overnight in the Bekaa Valley. And I treated people as human beings. But gradually, bit by bit, I understood not only were there two sides of the story, but Israel's story was far more compelling than the Palestinian victimhood that the media was telling. And then in being based in Europe, you saw the socialism, as we quoted at the beginning of the right. segment. And I agree with you 100 percent on that. OK, so the book is and the rest is history. Tales of hostages, arms, dealers, dirty tricks and spies. Kenneth Timmerman. It's out uh, August 30th, so uh, you can get it everywhere. Ken, uh, thank you for all your good reporting and thanks for appearing on the program tonight. Thanks so much, Bill. It's my pleasure. Okay. All right. Smart Life, uh, where we try to save you money because everybody needs to save money because inflation is hurting all American families, unless you're super rich and very few people are that. So GasBuddy.com. I've mentioned it before, but this is really a fairly important uh, website. So GasBuddy.com uh, chronicles 150,000 gas stations in the USA, Canada, and Australia. So if you're going down under. All right. And if you go there, there's an app. I can't, I don't know, apps. I, don't, I can't explain it. But you just put in where you live and they tell you where the best price gasoline is for your car. Okay. So this is a tremendous service. It's free. They don't want anything. You could sign up for, uh, you know, various stuff if you want, but it, it's a great deal. So gasbuddyoneword.com. This day in history, September 7th, 1940, 82 years ago, uh, Adolf Hitler ordered the German Luftwaffe Air Force to bomb civilian targets in London and other British cities. That happened for 50 consecutive nights, okay? 100,000 people were hurt, 43,000 civilians killed in the Blitz. The name Blitz comes from the word Blitzkrieg, lightning war. So Hitler knew that this was barbaric. He didn't care. Why would he care? He's a mass murderer. He wanted to break the spirit of the British people and knock out all of their manufacturing, which is why he did that. But it worked against him 
as the Royal Air Force, the RAF, then took to the skies and knocked out the Luftwaffe once and for all in the Battle of Britain. It's a tremendous achievement for the British people. Winston Churchill, of course, the leader back then. It is one of the most stunning parts of World War II, and very few Americans really know about it, but I wanted to bring it to your attention. 82 years ago today, the Blitz bombing of Great Britain and London began. Okay, got a good mail segment. A lot of people confused about the uh, Trump uh, document thing, and then a uh, new program that I am launching that I will tell you about in a final thought. Right back. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before, and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Okay, let's go to the mail. We got Leo, concierge member. Check that program out. Leo has direct access to me. O'Reilly, uh, what do you think the chances are the left planted documents of President Trump's pile when he took, uh, when they went into uh, the basement? Zero chance, Leo. Nobody planted documents. That would be a felony. You remember that uh, there are FBI whistleblowers now that are talking about the corruption in the Bureau, if an agent saw that, that wouldn't be kept secret. Linda, so one or two people in the Trump administration packed the documents from the White House and sent the boxes to Mar-a-Lago, maybe or not, they gave Trump a master list of what we should. Well, of course it was a master list, of course. But did Trump go over this stuff? I would be shocked, but we'll find out. His lawyers certainly know. Mike Wilson, North Chesterfield, Virginia, at the beginning, how did the National Archives know documents were missing from the White House? Good question from Mike Wilson. Classified documents are cataloged. They're cataloged. So the National Archives know and the National Intelligence Agencies know. Patricia Kalin O'Fallon, Missouri, could you please comment on how the cases of Hillary taking classified documents 
versus President Trump's taking class doctors are different. You know, look, I'm not even going to get into this until we know exactly what Donald Trump did or did not do. We know what Hillary did. That case is closed. She took classified documents. She destroyed uh, evidence of that. We know she wasn't prosecuted because of criminal intent, said uh, James Comey of the FBI. Was there criminal intent on Trump's part? I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. So we got to wait. Moses Gutierrez, Rancho Cucamonga, California. Will his whole mess with the FBI and the Department of Justice go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court? Likely it will, particularly if Trump is indicted. Supreme Court will probably be involved. Uh, DeWitt on the message board. When law enforcement organizations cease to prioritize law enforcement, we are in trouble. Just ask L.A. and San Francisco how that is working out for them and Chicago and New York and Baltimore and Philadelphia and on and on and on. Actually, you are correct, DeWitt. Once law enforcement is diminished, crime spirals, we're all in danger. Dean Kinzer, Pullman, Washington. If Hunter Biden were indicted now, I'm sure his father would just pardon him and there would never be justice. If Hunter Biden is charged with federal crimes and the president pardons him, it'll be a huge scandal. Huge. Michael Thomas, Newport Beach, California. Bill, other than being newsworthy, why is it important to know who the whistleblower was, the Mar-a-Lago raid? The whistleblowers, those who accuse President Trump of crimes, will be unmasked if there is an indictment, because every American has a right to face his or her accuser. That's why it's important. Tuan Wen, Liberty Township, Ohio. Bill, do you think there will be legal action about the Biden student loan forgiveness program? Yes. It's very flimsy what he did. And I believe that uh, there will be lawsuits against it. Lou DeMeo, Newport, Ritchie, Florida. Finished killing the killers. Outstanding. I learned a great deal. Disturbing Rita the Kayla reading the Kayla Muller issue. Looking forward to killing the legends. Well, thank you, Lou. Number one, Kayla Muller's family are as brave as any family I've ever seen in America. And that alone is worth reading Killer the Killers. Uh, killing the Legends out September 27th. Advanced Sale is pretty strong for this book. It's cultural history. Uh, it's going to be the most controversial book of the year. You can get it on BillOReilly.com, on Amazon, and uh, you order now, you pre-order, you get it first. And I'll be very interested to hear the reaction from Killing the Legends. It's a little bit different, but it's the same style. And it's stuff you don't know. I gave it to a good friend of mine, a read, a journalist, um, and he said, I, I, I thought I knew these people. And it's amazing how much that we uncovered about them. Okay, so if you become a premium or concierge member or re-up, you get Killing the Killers, Killing the Legends, any, any of my books free. Greatest deal? I hope you take part in that. Word of the day, do not be a nudnik. Now, this word I used when I was a kid in Levittown, N-U-D-N-I-C-K. Now, most of my friends couldn't spell it. <laughs> nudnik It's a great word. It's gone, but I'm trying to bring it back. So do not be a nudnik. 
All right, so we got a new program coming up, a brand new program, and I think you're going to want to hear about it. So I'm going to tell you about it in a final thought when we come back. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so uh, Vidgo is our uh, streaming partner. And Vidgo will give you uh, entertainment and sports for much less than the cable companies do. Okay? And you can just go to vidgo.com and check it out. So you can see for yourself. But as part of our partnership, I am doing a weekly program for Vidgo, a brand new program called Shock and Awe. <laughs> Where did I have it? Shock and Awe. What Shock and Awe is, and it starts on Friday, September 9th, and you'll see it anytime. If you sign up to Vidgo, you stream, so you can watch it anytime you want. It's an interview program along the lines of Night Beat. Now, those of you who are older may remember Night Beat with Mike Wallace. As you know, Mike Wallace was a friend of mine, and I watched everything he did very closely. Night Beat was in the 1950s. It was Mike Wallace smoking, blowing smoke into his guest face. Well, I don't smoke. I'm not going to blow any smoke. I never blow smoke. But the interview program was right on it. No BS. So I took the Night Beat concept and I brought it into shock and awe. Now, on Friday, the first episode is the violence in the National Football League. You'll never get this from sports reporting. They will never tell you what really happens on the field in what is now the most popular entertainment in this country. It is a bill, billions and billions of dollars, okay? In the NFL, I watch the NFL. Now, I played football, so I know about the violence, but you don't. So I've got Joe Namath, Rob Gronkowski, and a special teams NFL coach, Mike Westoff. These are three of the most honest guys I could find, and that is the hallmark of shock and awe. I will not put on a guest who will not tell the truth, no matter how difficult the question is. And believe me, I ask difficult questions. So when you hear what Namath and Gronkowski and Westoff say about what is actually happening before your eyes... In these NFL games, you're going to be stunned. That's why I'm calling it shock and awe. And then the next program, which will be on the next Friday, the 16th of September, will be ranking President Biden in his first 18 months in office. Is he the worst president ever? Is he not that bad? I've got three presidential historians lined up. 
And again, this is no cupcake. So we're going to do this shock and awe every week for Vidgo. Tomorrow on this broadcast, I will run a clip of the first show. But I hope you go to vidgo.com, check it all out. I can guarantee you're going to like these programs. Thank you for watching the No Spin News tonight and listening on the radio. We will see you tomorrow.